and some really nice kind of rhythm popping in there where Vin Diesel catches a car in midair with his bare hands. Of course. Hello and welcome to The Cutdown, a podcast all about the art of trader editing. This is episode 21 and this week we are talking about the Super Bowl. Yes, uh, Super Bowl, which I completely did not watch, not even for the commercials, but uh, Super Bowl is a time when a lot of new TV spots come out and usually it's a pretty big deal because it's, I mean, it's incredibly expensive to have a commercial during Super Bowl, so... It's a really good time to see what movies the studio's really putting their money behind. Yeah, you have film stuff and then you have film adjacent stuff. It seems kind of the bigger celebrity, the better. So you've got uh, this year we had Bill Murray redoing Groundhog Day, ironically, for Jeep. You had a film time, you had Wonder Woman and Tide, uh, Brian Cranston being Jack Nicholson in The Shining for Mountain Dew, uh, Walmart bringing back every time traveler slash alien from history. So some great kind of normal spots. But the actual form of a TV spot, uh, which is definitely what you want to do for the Super Bowl, because, you know, time is money, like you were saying, the form of a TV spot isn't something we've really necessarily talked about. Uh, And I thought this would be a great chance to dive into the spots that we saw and kind of see what they were doing with the short amount of time, given that, you know, the average spot cost is like five to 10 million for 30 seconds. I, as soon as you were talking about the the form of a TV spot, um, it made me realize, oh yeah, I I don't talk about TV spot pacing at all because it's just not something that I do anymore. But it is a totally different animal. One thing that's interesting about Super Bowl spots for movies is that, like, you know, Super Bowl has a reputation for having commercials which are generally a lot funnier than TV spots that air during just the rest of the year, which Mm. in my mind makes them more like Japanese commercials because like all Japanese commercials are hilarious in general, but American ones, some reason we save them only for the Super Bowl. Uh, But for most part, movie TV spots just still play it pretty straight and not try to get up wrapped up into that vibe of the other Super Bowl commercials, except Sonic the Hedgehog, which did a rug pull spot. Yeah, to that point, humor isn't something that these spots kind of lean on. It's generally like big eventness and how can we do something different? And Sonic is a really good example of that because Sonic did a similar thing that Eddie the Eagle did a couple of years ago, which is um, take real athletes that you may be aware of because you're watching sport and use them to as a way into the movie. When it comes to speed, there's only one name. I've studied the best spin moves. His legendary. I race the fastest in the world. He makes us all look slow. I'm wild, but he's on another level. That dude, he knows it's all about the rings. When he turns on the burners, good luck. He's just a blur out there. What's this for again? What's this for again? What's this for again? What's this for again? Great question. I have no idea. But please, McCaffrey, go on about how amazing I am. And yeah, so the Sonic spot for the Super Bowl had, yeah, kind of a rug pull, had athletes talking about this character who's great. And, you know, he's fast and he's all about the rings. And and then they all stopped and said, wait, what is this for? And then you cut to Sonic as the one interviewing them and then cut to a more kind of conventional 
eventy TV spot after that. But uh, did you recognize any of the people? I did not. I am super not into sports. Um, I think yeah, it's something we talked about before. Uh, I think when we were talking about the Independence Day spots uh, for the Super Bowl, and that actually anything you can do to ground the movie in what we're watching. Uh, so you know, are there shots of a ball game, uh, which I think they did in the Marvel uh, slash Disney Plus ad, or in this case, are there famous athletes? Because chances are your audience are going to be able to to see. And it was really, you know, it was a really good way to to link it in because people, you know, you would have started watching that ad going, "What is this?" And maybe it would catch your attention because ultimately. An argument for the Super Bowl ads is, you know, this is between plays or whatever, so people are getting nachos or doing whatever they do, drinking, and you need to get people's attention. And I think by putting people that you know up on screen, it was a big thing for Sonic. Yeah, and also along those lines of uh, showing something that people will recognize, I think not from this year, but one of my favorite Super Bowl spots was the spot for the new Twilight Zone, the Jordan Peele one, mm. where they they basically make it look like they just came back to the game, but then it turns out that uh, they're like, the, the stadium's empty, and suddenly you're in the Twilight Zone, you see Jordan Peele uh, in the middle of a completely empty stadium. Um, I thought that one was really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I wanted to kind of run through all the spots that, that we saw and kind of um, pick out things that I thought was interesting with within that kind of grander theme of, okay, they need to be attention-grabbing and sonically really interesting because, again, it's about distracting people from what they're doing and making them pay attention. Right. It also tends to be bigger films as well because, you know, like I say, money is involved. And there are entire studios that don't do um, Super Bowl ads, really. I think Warner Brothers don't really do anything or haven't done for a couple of years anyway. So, oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Paramount definitely do because I think they're Sonic and um, uh, Top Gun, uh, a quiet place, and Top Gun. Yeah, so <laughs> they're going all out for uh, all out for the Super Bowl. Um, but the first one that I saw was um, a spot for Minions. Mm, yes. This summer, get ready for action. Bad guys, snacks, more bad guys, tiny whiteies, explosions, jet bikes. Nuns, nunchucks, auto, auto's braces, chest hair, yoga, pilots, a pet rock, Tupperware, kung fu. Get ready for the minions. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, this is a kind of irreverent list of stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, it's actually quite a conventional comedy family animated TV spot structure. Um, we've talked about it before. In fact, we talked about it last week when I was talking about the trailer for Pirates. You know, it's, uh, hey, this film's got action, adventure, a fish with a hat, uh, kind of, you know, or in this one, um, a nun, a nunchuck, uh, bad guys, more bad guys, tighty whities a pet rock, yoga. And originally when this kind of idea came around, it was playing on that idea of, you know, a kind of straighter list of like, it's got this, this and this, and, and you right. don't subvert it. But then presumably... <laughs> A while ago, someone subverted it, and now it almost almost kind of seems cliched to do it. But then I think for this film, it kind of makes sense because you've got, you know, the minions don't really talk a lot. Um, you know, they're not really going into story. It's that kind of eventy thing. You want to show the scale. You want to show the physical comedy. Uh, you want to show how kind of crazy and irreverent it is. And I think it works for this. Yeah, the funny thing was that there was another spot for an animated film, which was uh, the SpongeBob movie, which also had a very similar 
structure. Maybe not quite as frenetic, but it it did sort of the the list uh, structure where they just show a whole bunch of stuff. And I was thinking, huh, that's interesting. That just the two animated things went for the same approach. I I sort of wonder what they're thinking when they saw each other's work. <laughs> the commercials in this game are really expensive, SpongeBob. It's just the pre-game. You got 26 seconds to tell me everything in this movie. Sir, yes, sir. There's fast cars, flashbacks, Snoop Dogg, ah! robots, ah! a wise sage. Hello. Churros. Ah. The only thing missing is Gary. Gary! Let's go find him. I smell a road trip. That could be my breath. The SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Yeah, that was money well spent. Yeah, I think I, I I did prefer SpongeBob because it was playing with the concept, and again, it referenced the big game. It was uh, you know, they they said, hey, the commercials are really expensive. You know, time is money, so you've got twenty six seconds to tell me everything that was in the movie. Um, and actually, what they do to the list is they subvert the list by turning it into the story of the film. It's like the only thing that's missing is this, and then that's the, the kind of story. Um, so I liked it because it was referencing the game and also kind of referencing the fact that it was doing a list. But yeah, I imagine that the day after people who worked on those individual campaigns were like, huh, they did uh, they did the same thing. Yeah. And then speaking of sort of repeated motifs or at least maybe parallel thought, uh, there are at least a few spots which are very, very sound design driven, like you mentioned. Um, I think the, the Marvel Disney Plus uh, spot had a lot of very uh, stylized sound design and also Top Gun Maverick, which use that method sort of like a serious man where they have him like breathing and then the breathing is basically a beat that's throughout the entire spot uh, until the very end. My dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. You know what happens to you if you go through with this. I have everything I need to have you court-martialed and dishonorably discharged. The end is inevitable, Maverick. What are you going to do? Here they go! Look at the air! Look at the air! Everywhere! Those pretty much stood out to me when I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to have two sound designy trailers. Uh, and, I mean, they're, they're well done, but it's always a little funny to see multiple trailers which are doing the same sort of thing. And realize, oh, that's a thing, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think arguably Black Widow, Bond, and F9 probably did a similar thing too. Because mm. um, you've got Black Widow, I mean, they're all a kind of similar structure. You've got a kind of anchoring speech. Black Widow is kind of sirens, and they're, and they're all a kind of slow build. And you do have this sound design to really cut through and get people's attention. You don't know everything about me. The Avengers weren't my first family. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. The Marvel on Disney Plus spot, uh, I really liked for the sound design um, because it had... It kind of ticking when the bullets were kind of pouring out of a gun 
um, which worked really well. And then also you've got things like WandaVision. It's the first look at WandaVision, and it's a clearly a very strange show, but fascinating. Yeah. And it's a kind of really interesting way to do it. And they did some brilliant match cuts between Elizabeth Olsen wearing different costumes. And um, this platform was a really good way to introduce that show, to not have to go story, but hey, look, hey, it's visually interesting, and it's within this cool sound design. So... Wonder, welcome home. Vision residents. I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. Yeah, I think that one was very striking. Just first of all, they had a lot of ground to cover because there're multiple shows, but because of that, just f- flashing basically the most memorable images they could find uh one after another, I think really made a, a good impression because it's pretty much as soon as you see it you're like, "Wait, what was that?" and then uh they're on to the next thing, which I mean, it, it definitely made me curious. It turns out showing a little bit of an interesting thing makes you more curious rather than less. <laughs> yeah, there was just one thing that confused me at the top of uh, of the Marvel on D+. Plus is he takes the shield out. It actually has this really interesting visual device as well where it kind of opens, the curtains open, but it's actually horizontal, not vertical, mm. um, to reveal Captain America's shield and it gets picked up by Anthony Mackie. And then it looks like he throws it into a tree again. So it's like he takes it out of a tree and then he throws it into a tree again. So it was a little bit confusing in the action there, but um, I'm sure not many people were paying attention to that. And then there was a nice thing where, you know, kind of the uh, the branding of Disney Plus shifted to the Marvel red branding um, or vice versa. So that worked really well. Black Widow, I liked sound design-wise because there was a lot of non-diegetic sound. So there was a point where Red Guardian is screaming, but you're hearing a siren. And it, mm-hmm. again, it was kind of really arresting and, and attention-grabbing. Yeah, I think it's it sounds like they went back to uh, whomever they used for the music for the first Black Widow trailer. But it was like a little bit different. So it didn't really give the same exact impression. I like, yeah, it's like a sonic motif for this movie. It's that kind of siren thing and it can be different, but it definitely, uh, it's something that you associate with the show. Yeah. Um, what did you think of, uh, after, after our slightly confused uh, reaction to the Bond trailer, what did you make of the, uh, the Bond spot? The Bond one, uh, I w- the impression I had from that was that it still felt very sparse in a, in a way similar to the trailer. Um, in fact, when I was rewatching it, I was writing down the copy in that to see if there was anything in there that I could latch onto in terms of like a story or uh, just a direction, I suppose. And the copy in that one was just this April, the 25th film will change everything, which is a very like grandiose, but vague trailer copy thing to say. And I mean, they showed a little bit of, Seen a few a few different scenes that were different, like the uh, flying the plane thing, but um, I still just didn't really have much of a feel for anything to uh, for that movie uh, after watching that spot. You ever flown one of these things before? Nope. Secret finds its way out. 
Uh, yeah, I actually I really liked it in contrast to the trailer. Um, I loved the graphics. I thought they they kind of seemed big. I liked the event copy because there's something about saying that it's the 25th film where you're like, oh, okay, wow, this is the ultimate franchise. And I like the I really like the montage at the end. It's really simple, but just kind of dipping into black to show you a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, and the music worked better with the cut this time although the rhythm does kind of break slightly in the middle um and there was a new you know there was a new set piece so they were using it to do something interesting in the kind of bond cold open literally at the top uh so yeah that really worked for me were there any others that you felt worked or or uh, not um actually one thing that i was surprised by was the is it called the invisible man or is it invisible the the horror movie i think it's uh, i think it's the invisible man yeah it's a like bloomhouse movie i was surprised to see that because that i mean bloomhouse as far as i know does lower budget stuff so uh, i feel like you know the the spot for that in the super bowl would have been you know an enormous amount of money compared to what the budget of the film probably is but i mean i don't i don't actually know what the budget is we need each other don't we are you okay hurry please wherever you go hello i'm standing right behind you I know you better than anyone else in the world. He has figured out a way to be invisible. You too. Please listen to me. I know that you feel like you're going insane sometimes. I'm the only one who can help you. I see you! The Invisible Man. But I was just surprised to see that one. It's like relatively small looking film compared to all these other enormous uh, things that played during the Super Bowl. Yeah, and to that point, it was a more conventional spot as well. Um, I think probably because there's quite a lot of story you need to get through in that. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it kind of fit with the Quiet Place spot as well. Um, but the Quiet Place spot, I think, landed in moments a bit more and, you know, stopped at kind of 20 seconds in to play out a scare. Ronnie, what do we got? Some kind of fire? We got units headed out there now. He came all the way up here. He won't survive. There are people out there. People worth saving. And had that kind of sparse sound design that we're talking about from other from other pieces. But yeah, Invisible Man felt quite full as a spot, more like a conventional TV spot than a specifically Super Bowl spot. Uh, and But, you know, maybe you have to work a bit harder with that movie because it isn't, you know, we're talking about Top Gun and Marvel. And, right. You know. There aren't as many, like, visuals to sort of lean on uh, in in that movie, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's like uh, Elizabeth Moss, the movie, you know, what... what? What do we have to latch onto here? Right. Um, and it's and because the guy's invisible, like maybe it's quite it's quite a hard story to tell. You know, he's he's it's the absence of a person. So like, how do you illustrate that? Yeah. Um, uh, I think the the opposite end of the spectrum there would probably be F nine, where you know all you have is Vin Diesel saying, "If we do this, we risk everything." Is like the one line at the top, <laughs> and then just like it's got this amazing Hallelujah Kanye West thing as its kind of signature sound that it repeats throughout. And some really nice kind of rhythm popping in there where Vin Diesel catches a car in midair with his bare hands. Of course. If we do this, we risk everything. Hallelujah, 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 
and this is in the wake of the trailer that came out on Friday, which was quite four long. Four minutes long. <laughs> I think that's just the modus operandi going forward. Like the Hobbs and Shaw had a very long trailer, so I guess F9 is following suit. I'm um, sure F9 needed to be longer, <laughs> needed to be bigger. <laughs> that was the thing. It was interesting because I was expecting the F9 spot to be a bit more conventional because the trailer had just come out and I thought, well, they probably spent all their music budget, so it'll basically <laughs> be a cut down. But actually, it was great because it was its own thing. Yeah, it's good when the Super Bowl spots differentiate themselves in some sort of way, especially if a trailer came out not too long previously. Um, I think just that, like we've talked about, the general impression of Super Bowl spots is that they're like hard-hitting versions of the trailer because you know they could be thirty seconds, they could be sixty seconds, probably less sixty fewer sixty-second spots nowadays because it's so expensive. But I remember back when I was an assistant. Um, there, I think like there were a lot of 60-second spots uh, during the Super Bowl. So what do you think, kind of taking all of these spots as a, as a set, what do you think that says about TV spots as a medium and kind of what you, what you need to do when looking at something that's generally 30 seconds, can be 15, but that's a whole, that's a whole different podcast? Yeah, TV spots is a, is a huge topic. Um, one I'm not as well versed in, but I think that my general impression of a TV spot is that, you know, you ha- it's, it's less time, so you have to really hone in on an idea uh, as soon as possible and make it hit as hard as possible. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about digital spots and how they will cater to a particular market, like, oh, this is the romantic tra- uh, TV spot, this is the action one. But I feel like the Super Bowl ones in particular are just like the general hard-hitting overview trailer, which is like the, the regular trailer, but faster and really compressed and action-y. Um, I don't know, that's that's my general thought. What is, how do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting. We, I mean, often because you've worked so hard on the trailer that a trailer cut down is probably the first TV spot that you'll cut for something. But ultimately, you know, if you've got a two-minute 30 trailer, there's five there's at least five 30 second spots contained within there and Mm. um i think to your to your point when you first started talking about it you kind of need a singular idea of what you're trying to do and i think you get kind of maybe two strands of tv spot you get the one that's trying to hit all four quadrants and tell all the story and you know get a general sense of everything that's going on in the movie similar to what the trailer's doing and then you get these more singular ideas of okay this is a spot that says this story element is the one we want to propel um this person is going up against this person or you know something more kind of eventy and outside of the movie and saying uh, review spots or saying you know get ready it's the most exciting thing you're ever going to experience and there's nuns with nunchucks you know um so it's a really interesting form and time really is money not just in the super bowl but in any tv sport you really have to kind of use every second of real estate as best as you possibly can you know you want the best shots uh the best lines of dialogue um there can't really be a huge amount of breathing space in there you know at any one time sonically you've got to be putting a bit of voiceover or a sound effect or a lyric up or a bit of dialogue um there's no space for the slightly slower world building that you get to do in a trailer yeah and uh voiceover is a is a good thing to bring up because you know a lot of people 
talk about how they don't say in a world anymore, but really the voiceover people are just really just in the TV spot land because just one line from a narrator can sum up so much of a trailer. Like it could sum up like 30 seconds of a trailer that you need to build otherwise with several lines of dialogue. Um, I think like especially Super Bowl spots, in a way, they're sort of like teaser trailers in, like you're saying, that each shot is so much more important because a teaser trailer tends to be more sparse. Um, so then you just need those shots to be that much stronger in order for them to read at all from this like, really fast cut 30 second spot. Um, so really, like those are going to be the most... Uh, memorable images from the trailer in there and then sometimes you'll see even they'll break out some new ones like in the James Bond thing where it's like okay this is a really clear epic moment with this plane uh, that we didn't show before Um, so you know add a little bit more so then that people can feel like they weren't just retreading ground uh, but faster (laughs) yeah but to that point and I I think is what differentiates Super Bowl spots in general is that, like I was saying, often a TV spot may be the only thing that someone sees. So it has to kind of satisfy a lot of audiences. Whereas when you get to the Super Bowl, you're going to get a lot of attention focused on this one spot. So you can afford to just be a bit more eventy and and get stuff out there. And it's what makes them a unique kind of cutting because I'd love to see that kind of spot you know look at the Black Widow spot like that's incredible and then Marvel and Disney Plus like I'd love to see that kind of sparseness and singularity carried over to normal TV spots but I think when you get to that point you maybe have to do more so they're really fun to kind of cut and look at and I think they're really the pinnacle of doing something interesting but doing it with restraint because you've only got 30 seconds. Yeah and also it's a really really unique situation in that you know that there's a much better chance that people are actually paying attention to the commercials. So it gives you that opportunity for a rug pull sort of moment. Um, Whereas, you know, TV spots playing during, you know, CSI or something like that, people probably not super tuned in. It's more like background noise. Yeah, I think I think when you get to normal TV, you do have to kind of bash people more over the head. And that's to your point about voiceover. It is where basically sometimes the best TV sport would be 30 seconds of someone saying like, hey, there's a film coming out and it's going to be in theaters on this date and go and see it because it's really great. Because, (laughs) you know, if you try and follow a storyline while you're also like having a chat because it's in the commercial break, it's kind of hard to do. So um, I think that's why those kind of eventy review spot voiceover more salesy things work better um okay so uh, i hope you enjoyed the super bowl clearly neither me or derek <laughs> watched it but we have talked <laughs> about the uh, the spots um yeah so uh, in the spirit of the super bowl and spots this is a quick episode um but as always you can contact us at cutdown at idlethumbs.net if you have any questions or comments about the podcast or trailers in general uh, we're on Twitter at CutDownCast, and I am at Derek underscore Lou. And I'm at Rick Thomas. We're part of the Idle Thumbs Network, and you can join us on the Idle Thumbs forums if you'd like to discuss any of the spots or any other things that we didn't talk about uh, in this episode uh, with other people who are listening to the show. And as always, please leave us a review on iTunes if you are enjoying the show and tell your friends about it. And we want to give a thank you to our friends at Twisted Jukebox for our intro music. Thanks for listening. Bye. What am I doing? You're mine, Hedgehog! Now that's what I call good cop, bad cop. (laughs) Left herself open.